Valentine's Day. If you'd like to, you can stand with us and worship God. Thank you for coming to Stratford Heights.
good, wasn't it? God is everything to me. Praise the Lord. He supplies our needs. He blesses us and helps us. And aren't you glad you're in church today? You know, about, uh, yeah, it's good to be here. Let's clap for the Lord. Happy Valentine's Day. Praise the Lord. I'm just reading some some statistics about how there's two-thirds of of people in certain areas of the United States that don't go to church. Two-thirds of that area. And then I read where they did another survey and said, how many would go if someone invited you? And almost half of them said they would. So that's up to us then to invite people to God's house, isn't it? And ask them to come and hear about the Word of God. Let's give people an invitation next week. Our church has too much good to let a bit of it go to waste and us not bring our family and friends and uh, you, you got uh, people that you don't like, bring them too. You could all get saved. But church is just wonderful. I look forward to it. It's always been a way of life for me to get to go to God's house. And I've been blessed to be able to go Sunday. It's going to be great when I get to heaven. Because I'll see Jesus and be in his presence forever. Thank God for you being here today. It's, It's five weeks from today. Five weeks from today. And that's spring. Spring. It's coming. Don't you be weary and well doing. We just got five more weeks and we're going to have this, this winter over following um, today's service and then all through the week. And then we also uh, have top-notch uh, meeting for those that uh, are in that top-notch. Go with us for a time of fellowship. It's open to anyone who wants to. You don't know. Turn it sideways and back and look. Find somebody you don't know and go straight to them and let's welcome them today to Stratford Heights. God bless you. Thank you.
We are going to pray for the nation of Israel, our country here, and for the Christian folks all around the world. Please join with me today and let's pray. Let's stand, stand in and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we honor you and thank you, Lord, that we are free to come together and to celebrate you, to celebrate your love and your work in our hearts and lives. God, we thank you, Lord, that we're free to have the message of exactly who you are. God, we pray for those people, Lord, the people in Israel, Lord, those folks, your chosen people, the called people, Lord, that you have your hand on. Lord, we pray for those folks today that you would bless them. You would bless them abundantly and mightily. God, that you would use the work in their way of life, the, the work in their country, Lord, that you would use that to show how strong and how powerful you are. God, we pray that you would bless them and touch them and be with them, protect them and watch over them, Lord, and, and bless our nation and those that call on your name, the ones that call you Christ. Lord, we pray that you would just have your way, Lord, to protect and to minister and have your way to bring revival to this world. God, we honor you and we thank you, and Lord, we give you all the praise. Amen and amen.
Amen. Message that says God loved the whole world so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe on Him would not perish, should not have to perish. But that we would have everlasting life through this gift, the salvation gift of God. The blood that was spilled, the blood meaning the sacrifice, His life for ours. I don't even know the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. God gives us life through the message. So when we're singing about the blood, we're not singing about some cruel, horrible death. And we're not thankful for the crucifixion. What we're thankful for that was in that death, there was life. There was sacrifice that brought resurrection. How many of you know he didn't stay dead? He rose again on the third day. He come up out of that tomb victorious. The Bible says over death, hell, and the grave. And now we sing and we glory and we honor in the cross because that is our life. That's our peace, our joy. It's our salvation. Now one more time, would you give him glorious praise and lift his name up high. He's worthy of our praise this morning. Hallelujah. Lord, we honor you and we bless your name. We've not come here this morning to just do some religious obligation or duty. God, we've not just come to see our brothers and our sisters, though we love them and it's good to see them on this Sunday morning. But Lord, we have come gathered in your name to find ourselves in your presence. For that, Lord, that's our heart's desire. As David cried out in Psalm 42, As the deer pants for the water brook, so does my soul thirst after you, O God. When, when will I come before you? How many of you know the presence of God is here right now? Right now. Right now. And we honor him today. I want you to lift up your hands all over the sanctuary. Would you do that? If you feel comfortable to do that, just honor the The Bible says lift up holy hands unto the Lord. We're just lifting up our hands. We're surrendering to the Lord and honoring his presence in this house this morning. We honor your name, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. We give you glory. We've come gathered in your name. Hallelujah. I know you've got elements in your hand. And I need to remember that. While I'm asking you to shout and jump and run, I need to, rem- need to remember you're holding stuff. I wondered why they, normally they're like all over the place, you know. I was like, well, this, this crowd's dead today. I felt the Holy Spirit say they've got communion in their hand. <laughs> well, praise the Lord anyhow. I'm free. I got mine. (laughs) Let's go back. Let's go back to that night. The night the Bible says that Jesus was betrayed. And as you hold the elements of communion in your hand, Paul was writing, and I like to read from Paul's version because Paul, like us, was remembering what he had been told. So Paul 
writing said, For I have received of the Lord in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke the bread and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. He said something interesting. He said, This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, and he said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Can I hear an amen on he's coming soon? He's coming soon. So as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we're showing the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. That wasn't there to try to keep us out and away from receiving communion. It was there to help us to remember what it all is about and how important it is that we understand this is not a religious symbol or religious ceremony with no meaning or purpose. It's for us to go back and remember, to examine ourselves. Has Christ given his body up for you? Has that blood been sacrificed for your sins? So a man and a woman must examine themselves. It's been told that if you treat carelessly the sacrament of communion, you're asking for trouble. I would ask you to take just a moment, if you would, and prepare yourselves, not because of trouble, but because of the gift that it is. Prepare your heart, your soul, to receive the body and the blood of Christ in symbolism this morning, remembering what he did for you, for me. Would you do that right now? So when he thank you, Lord, for your body. Thank you for leaving the portals of glory, coming to live on this earth as a man, taking on human flesh, incarnation, becoming a man so that we could identify with you and then living a sinless life, giving your life for our sins. Thank you for the body that was bruised, battered, and broken. We honor you and we remember this morning. In the same manner, he took the cup after he'd supped and he said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. And they drank. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. 
that makes me white as snow. The Bible says, come, let us reason together. Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. We've been redeemed and set free. Have you been freed by the blood of Jesus this morning? Hallelujah. Sing it again. Oh. (coughs) Sing it out. morning i feel the presence of god somebody says it ain't based on feelings brother you're right but thank god for the feeling thank god for the presence of the lord he's with us today he's with us today amen amen before you're seated i want us to go before the lord in prayer for a couple of our special needs how many of you remember our australian friends that were here over the month of january well, they're, they're up. It's 2 o'clock in the morning for them on Monday right now, but they're watching live. Amen. Amen. They miss this church. They miss you, and they miss me. This morning, they're hurting. They're part of our church family now. And uh, we want to pray for them as we were praying over the month of January for Jacqueline's father, Jorge Diaz, passed away last night. So we want to pray for them as they're hurting this morning. How many of you know it's, it's up to us as a church family to lift them up and pray? I believe God can go all the way to Brisbane, Australia in this very service right now. So I want us to pray for them. And while we're praying for them, I want us to remember the Turner family, Steve and Melissa and their little child, Bethany. Bethany has been going through such a difficult time. In her first two weeks of life, she's done, gone through more than most people will go through their whole life. She's got all kinds of tests and all kinds of things that they're putting her through this week. And we want to pray for little Bethany. 
So I want you to keep her in your notes and just write her in your Bible and pray for little Bethany. And then lastly, you look up on our stage today and you see a beautiful choir and wonderful singers, but you don't see our worship arts pastor, Gary Turner. Gary has been very sick over this last week. And he and I both went through a bronchitis problem and we were trying to race to see who was the sickest. He won. <laughs> Gary ended up with a, a medical issue. He was here in the office on Thursday morning and we, all of us were worried sick about him. We didn't know what in the world was wrong. He wasn't acting right. He didn't act right last Sunday. And, and then all week long, he just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And he went to the hospital, went to the doctor, and the doctor sent him to get x-rays. And from x-rays, he was admitted to the hospital. So Gary's going through some medical issues right now, some things that he, he feels better today. I mean, they, they're definitely headed in the right direction with him. And, and I know he would, he would want you to know he's going to be okay, but he also would love you to pray for him. So we're gonna, he's going to take uh, this Sunday and next Sunday, the doctors have ordered him to, to some bed rest. So he's going to take care of that, and we're going to pray for him right now. And Gary, we know you're watching, and we're praying for you. Your church loves you. Do you love Gary and Kathy Turner this morning? Amen. So we've got these three special needs to pray for. And I see Kathy has come in all the way from Florida. Her and Delbert are back home. Kathy fell while she was in Florida and had to have surgery. She broke her hip. And she's here with us today. And Kathy, we love you. We're going to pray for you as well. We love you. I want some of you ladies close by. And know how to pray. And I see Sister Linda's back after surgery too. Sister Linda Pitts. Linda, we love you. And we honor you this morning. We're going to pray for you. I want some of you ladies to turn around where these two ladies are. And I want you to agree with me in prayer. Find them. They're right back here in the middle. And uh, reach over and just lay your hand on them and pray with them this morning as we pray for these other needs. How many of you would say, I have a need in my personal life and my family, Lord? Lord knows all the details and we're praying. Amen. Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we stand on the precious word of God. You're our healer. You're our deliverer. Lord, you are our provider. We honor you. The, all blessings and all good things come from you. We pray, Lord, you're also the present help in the time of our troubles. So we lift up, God, to you every need represented in this house. Every hand that was uplifted every heart that is hurting, every circumstance that needs your wonderful, mighty power, we ask in Jesus' name for you to meet those needs. Lord, we pray for Sister Linda. We lift her up to you today and thank you for the healing that's happening in her body physically. We ask you to touch her afresh and brand new, even this morning, in Jesus' name. Lord, would you touch Kathy, be with her and minister physically to her. Touch her by your mighty power. According to James chapter 5, the prayer of faith will save the sick. We thank you for this now, Lord, and we honor you. We pray for Brother Gary Turner. We lift him up to you and pray your healing over his heart. Touch him in Jesus' name. Be with him. Minister strength and grace, even in this very moment, to him, God. We ask it in your name and give you glory for it. Lord, we ask you to touch the Turners and little Bethany. Lay your hand on this little baby. Touch her this morning in the name of Jesus and be her healer. We thank you and we honor you for the work that is accomplished and done. And Lord, as a congregation, we're praying now to go all the way across the globe, all the way around the other side of the earth to Australia. Would you touch the Kessner family? Be with them this morning. Touch Jacqueline, Kayla, Frederick. 
Touch their family. Lord, minister in their grief. Bring comfort and strength and peace to them. Even now, speak life over them. We pray it in the name of Jesus. We'll never fail, Lord, to give you the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. For, Lord, you are our strength. You are our wonderful healing master and savior. So we give you all these things and we pray them. We pray them not in the name of a church or a preacher, but in the name that is above every other name that brings deliverance to our hearts, the name of Jesus Christ. And we say it together, amen, amen. One more time, let's give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. (coughs) Praise God, praise God. You may be seated. I told him today I was going to be preaching like R.W. Shambach, so there ought to be half this church ought to be running the aisles halfway through the message. Two things are going to happen today. One is at the end of service today, all you ladies, if you're a lady, lift your hand. All right. All you ladies, we have a gift from your church and your pastor. Your church is wanting to wish you a happy Valentine's Day, so as you leave today, some of the ushers and some of the young men. We'll have some young men out in the lobby. We, we drafted as many of them as we could. And we want them to, to give you a, a little candy, some chocolate candies today on your way out. As a way of saying, happy Valentine's Day to you. And also the young people. For those of you who haven't yet done the, the right things when it comes to the gifts and the, the pretty little treasures and trinkets that you're supposed to get your wife. Gentlemen, we have roses for sale in the lobby. Uh, Roses are, I mean, are we saving the day for you or what? You can not only help the young people go to on their Alaskan mission trip, which we're so thankful for those of you who are helping us to help them to raise their money to go. This summer, as you know, they'll be ministering at the Church of God youth camps for the whole state of Alaska. And uh, we're excited that our group is going to be doing all that. They're staffing, they're singing, they're preaching, they're counseling, they're taking the cabins, they're doing everything. And we're so proud of them, and we're helping them to raise their money to go on this mission trip. So I hope you'll go by, and if you, if they, if you buy all their roses and there's none left, then just leave, you know, a million-dollar gift there, and that would be great too. In the, in the uh, bulletin before our ushers, our ushers are coming to serve you. And as they come, I want to point out that in the bulletin, it makes mention that on the February 21st, our church has been invited to be a part of a new live recording for Eddie James. Uh, we've had to, in light of this week's events with Pastor Gary, we've had to go ahead and cancel our involvement in that recording. So you'll see that in there. If you'd help me to just pass the word to folks that we're, we're actually not going to do that. And so uh, when you read it, you won't be confused. We were going to do it, but then Gary is, is going to need some uh, some two weeks of time to kind of get strong and get through this medical situation that he's had. And so it wasn't going to work for us to be a part of, of that recording. So just cancel that in the bulletin and don't pay no attention to it for now. Our ushers are coming. And before they come, I would like to just say hello, good morning to the Laramores all the way from Oklahoma. They're ready to get out of town because the snow is coming. And uh, they live down in Oklahoma. This is Whitney Jones's mom and dad. And we're so happy that they're here with us today. Guys, we see you back there. They're good friends. They're Church of God. They're part of the Church of God in Pryor, Oklahoma. And uh, they, uh, they're, so they're part of us too. They're part of our church family. We like to say they're kind of part of both churches now. 
So we appreciate them staying over to be with us. They're going to be heading back to Oklahoma and I wanted to say hello to them. I also wrestled Cameron with how to introduce them because I thought, you know, they're not just Whitney's parents anymore. They're, they're my friends too. And they're, they're part of our church family. So I started to serve youth, our, our youth pastor's wife and let you know who, she, who they are. But we're so thrilled every time they get to come up and visit with us. Your ushers are here to serve the giving God. Now, I'm not giving you a pitch here. I'm telling you, all throughout the Word of God, we see that He's a giver, not a taker. I'm talking to people this morning that know God's a giver and that God honors every gift that you give. We don't take your money, not in this church. This preacher don't take your money, but we do give you an opportunity to worship God with your gifts, with your giving. As he takes care of you, how many would testify this morning? He has always met every need that I have had. Amen. I want to thank you to those who are ready and here today to give, to pay your tithe. The church practices what it preaches. I was told many, many years ago when I became pastor that we ought to stop this. But we haven't yet, and God blesses us every time. Our morning service at 830 and our 1040 service. We don't keep the offering. The offering goes to World Missions every dime. We give it away. If we're asking you to be givers, then the church ought to practice what it preaches. And so the church is giving our offerings away at the two main services. We live off of a Sunday night offering, and many of you don't come back Sunday night. But God takes care of us and sustains us. And so we're thankful for that as we've learned the lessons that God blesses those who give then we are able to teach that to our young people and teach it to our people so that we can live that life of abundance and blessing as well. So as we give, thank you for those who are faithful to your missions, giving to your tithes and to the building fund. It's coming up out there. Have you noticed? It's looking pretty. Going to be opening the doors pretty soon. I'd say by midsummer, we'll be ready to start walking in there. We're coming along with 26,310 square feet. And it scares me to death. <laughs> but the Lord let me know, especially this week, spoke to me directly on Monday. He said, this is my project. I've called this church to do this. And I'm going to see this through. And boy, that sure relieved my heart, you know. It's God's project. He gives the okay. So we're all just part of his work that he's doing in this community. And in the history of this 100-year-old church, let's pray. Fathers, we come before you. We honor you. We bless your name and we give you praise. I pray that you will touch and minister, Lord, to our missionaries around the world as we give in our loose offering to world missions. We thank you for the countries that we'll support from Australia to Europe to Africa to South America to Alaska. Lord, we thank you for all the places that we give on Sunday morning when we are supporting our missionaries. I thank you that you are a God who gives back. And Lord, we can never outgive you. Thank you for your blessings, for your strength. Be with those missionaries. Lord, we're not just wanting to give an offering, we're wanting to meet a need in their life. So I pray that you'll direct our giving today. So we love you and honor you. And thank you for those who are faithful, Lord, to continue their, their obedience to your word and paying their tithe and giving to this local body. God, we're doing what we can do for your kingdom. And we're thankful that you keep us and you carry us along. Lord, as we continue to practice the principles of your word, 
we know, God, everything will be all right. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, bless your people and bless the gifts. In Christ's name, amen. for us and we want to praise him because he has all control he has all control over our lives we think that we've got it all in our hands but we don't God's the great one the orchestrator the tapestry maker that orchestrates our lives and sets us up for greatness because he like he likes to see us succeed he doesn't like to see us fail he didn't choose us to let us fall he chose us so that we can worship and praise him and succeed in life he's a great great God the splendor of a king, both in majesty, but all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice, he bows himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles out.
of you are glad for the love that comes from heaven hallelujah lord we honor your presence here today we thank you jesus would you stand with me all over the congregation would you just one more time let's just lift up our hands and our hearts to god honor him in this house this morning lord we honor your presence we bless your name jesus we thank you lord for your love in our lives for your presence that's here in this place. Touch us by your Holy Spirit and be with us, God, as we have come now to this very awesome, special place in this service where we give our attention to your word. We bless your name, Lord God. We ask you to challenge us, speak to us, that your word be accomplished in us. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. We thank you, Lord, for the blood this morning. For I call you to myself this morning. I am your God, your Father. I have provided and made a way for you directly into my presence. Do not sit on the outside looking in. I have knocked at your heart's door. I desire communion and fellowship with you. I have come all through generations to this special place this morning to appeal to your heart particularly. I am the Father who loves you. You have sensed and known abandonment and you've been forsaken in your life. I speak to you expressly, says the Lord. Trust in me. Don't lean upon the arm of flesh. But look to my name. It'll be your strong tower. Look to my hope, for that will be your anchor to hold on to. Look to me this morning, and you will live, says the Lord. I will restore what the enemy has taken from you. If you will trust in me, I am your God. Arabakohosa. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Right here in the middle of this service, right at the beginning of our preaching, the Holy Spirit has interrupted this. Not interrupted, he has included himself, invaded this moment in order to send a message to you, a message that he loves you, that he desires you, that you have felt abandoned, forsaken, you have felt like an outcast, you have felt like there was nothing for you. Everyone else is enjoying, everyone else is in, but you are on the outside. Oh, the Holy Spirit is appealing to your very heart this morning. Before we go any further in this service, I ask for every head to be bowed and every eye closed. In respect to the Holy Spirit in His work here, you need to trust Him. You've trusted in preachers and church and doctrines and you've trusted in family and friends and that's all failed you. But here you sit today, here you stand. And in this very house this morning, the Holy Spirit is asking you to trust Him. The Father is reaching out to you in His love, asking you to trust Him. Is there anyone here today that would say, I will trust God? Pastor, pray for me in this prayer right now. Lift up your hand. You're here all over the house. God bless you. Hands are going up in every section. I've lost, I can't count them. I wouldn't begin to. I'm here today. I'm responding to the Holy Spirit. I will respond to him. Man, hands are up everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what he's doing this today. When he is ready to invade in a service, when he wants to stop what's going on and he wants to speak to you, there's a reason you are ready to respond to him. Right now, all over the church, every Christian is praying. Every Christian praying for hands that are up. I, I have no idea how many. I know there's a lot of brothers and sisters that have lifted their hands today. Needing, wanting God to trust God in this service today. Holy Ghost is doing a work. So let's all pray together. Let's pray a prayer of committal and trust. And then for those who need salvation, we're going to, we're going to, th- we're going to ask the Lord to come into our lives as well. We're going to ask him to forgive us of our sins. We're going to acknowledge we believe him as the son of God. But we're going to accomplish all this because the Holy Spirit has made the invitation. And you are ready. You've responded. So right here, right now, all over the building, Christians and, and those who are in need, those who feel they're lost, those who perhaps don't even have a relationship, have not had one with Christ, you're going to have it in about 30 seconds. Everyone pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life. I trust you as my Savior. I trust you as my God. Family, my past, the brokenness, I bring it all to you. And I bring you my life. Jesus, as the Son of God, you came and you died and you rose again. I declare... You are God, and now God of my life. And I thank you for this. As your words declare, verses 1 through 5. Then said the Lord unto me. Hosea was talking here. Go yet. Love a woman beloved of her friend yet an adulteress. According to the love of the Lord, 
toward the children of Israel. So important. So the Lord is saying unto him, go, yet love a woman beloved of her friend. Talking about his wife, Gomer. Yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. So Hosea says, I, I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver for a homer of barley and a half homer of barley. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man, so I will also be for thee. And he makes reference in verse 4 to the whole reason of the story. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, without a prince, without a sacrifice, without an image, without an ephod, without teraphim. Afterwards shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. It's going to be a good ending. Lord, we ask your blessings on your word as we preach in the name of Jesus, asking for you to challenge our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I've entitled this message, Love's Promise, Relentless Love. Last Sunday, we talked about Super Vowel Sunday in honor of Super Bowl, and I'll say it again, I personally thought probably one of the best titles to a message I have ever come up with. Super Vow Sunday. We talked about the vows that we make one to another in weddings, and I, I referred to those, and we talked about one of them romantic couples in the Bible that you really don't hear a whole lot about when it comes to romance. But we talked about Adam and Eve, their love together, and how that God literally had blessed Adam's socks off. Well, I don't think he was wearing socks, but... (laughs) Well, I don't think he was wearing much of anything. (laughs) We won't go there. (laughs) But the Bible's clear to point out that God, God gave him a beautiful gift when he gave him Eve. When Eve come walking out, the first official Miss Universe come walking out from the trees where he had been asleep and he woke up and then was checking his eyes to see if he was dreaming. God had given him a wonderful, beautiful woman. And there, as a gift to him, he kept saying, Zot! Zot, an expression in the Hebrew that means, Woo! All in one verse, he, he was quoted as saying, Woo! Three times. So needless to say, he was madly in love with his Miss Universe. And he was excited about what God had brought to him. But when you think about romance in the Bible, you normally really don't go to Adam and Eve so much because, you know, the apple and the serpent. And so it's usually not on the Hallmark Channel, uh, a movie about their romance. But they were in love. When you think about romance, come on, you know where you go. You go to the Song of Solomon. Look at y'all smiling. How many have ever read the Song of Solomon and you were kind of like, 
am I allowed to read this? I remember as a young man, I was like, should I be reading this? Should I ask my mom and dad if I can read this? Listen to some of these examples. Chapter 1, verse 2. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) Chapter 2 and verse 3. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Chapter 1 and verse 3. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfume. Your name is like perfume poured out. Chapter 2 and verse 5. Strengthen me with raisins. Refresh me with apples for I am faint. With love. Ah, now that's a Hollywood romance. That's something that you'll find on the Lifetime channel or in a romance novel. That's something that can make the difference. When we think about romance, we think more along those lines, not not necessarily Adam and Eve. We do think about the love story between Abraham and Sarah. Or what about Jacob and Rachel? I mean, he worked for seven years worked hard to try to get her hand in marriage. And in Genesis chapter 29 and verse 20, we see how much he loved her. It says, so Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. And all the ladies sighed. I knew it. I knew it. That's love. That's romance. That's amazing. Ruth and Boaz. I mean, are you serious? One of the most beautiful stories, Esther and the king. Ah, great. Do you ever think about the love story between Mary and Joseph? How beautiful and amazing that was. I finally found a scripture, though, for, you know, we've heard this thing since we were young about the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. And I always thought, Lord, is that biblical? Is that in the Bible anywhere? And I have found it. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 17 says, A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. That's about the best I can do on that one. But happy Valentine's Day to you. In our second week, as we're talking about, about marriage and family and love, super vows, the vows that we make. Last week, we talked about till death do us part. Now, important those words are that no matter where you've been or what you've gone through, what's important is where you are right now in your relationship with one another and with your relationship with your spouse, your relationship to God. Because how many of you know the parallels of our relationships with one another parallel our relationship with God? It's all meant to correlate. It's meant to be an example and a model, the commitment that comes with marriage It's the kind of commitment that Christ gives to us. It's been settled in the heavens with a covenant, with a vow, with promises. Last week where I talked about the super vows, today I'm talking about love's promise. Promises. Promises that will stay with you. That will literally be there for you as meat during the hard times. Will be there during the difficult times when 
They no longer look like they did the day you were married when the frustrations and the issues start mounting and stacking up and when it doesn't look like it used to, feel like it used to, maybe even doesn't, doesn't even have, there's no desire like there used to be. Jose and Gomer is the love story for you. A love story. You say, isn't that the one that's full of scandal and all kinds of shame and disgrace? Yes, it is. As a matter of fact, they had a troubled marriage. Their marriage was on the rocks. They didn't have the perfect marriage or relationship at all. They're not listed in the Hall of Fame of romance stories in the Bible. Their relationship is full of scandalous disgrace, humiliation, And if they're listed anywhere, it's probably listed in the hall of shame. But if you just keep looking, if you keep digging in Jose, you get past chapter 1 and chapter 2, and you start looking at chapter 3, you see something amazing there when he starts saying, Then the Lord said unto me, Go yet, love a woman beloved of a friend, yet an adulteress even though she's an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel. In other words, with the same love that God loves, go to her. Go to her, Hosea, and buy her back. Buy her back. He embraces a truth. He embraces his vows. He embraces a promise that he made. A promise that far exceeds his emotions, his feelings. A promise that takes precedence over every other circumstance in his life. And they can't get much worse than what he's living through. A love story of biblical proportions. Maybe you can relate better with a troubled marriage with a troubled marriage, with hard times, then you can the perfect marriages. Maybe today, a promise is a declaration, a commitment, an assurance, an assurance of someone that you're going to do something, not do something, give something, not give something. But it's a promise, it's an assurance that brings great expectation promise brings expectation. That's the end all of a promise. That's why it's important when we pray to believe. What good is faith if we don't believe? You can say you got faith all day long, but faith without belief is not faith. It's a statement. Promise is much the same. And Hosea made a promise. Statement promise is much the same. And Hosea made a promise. God noted his promise. In his seeking, God also instructed him to do something that you and I might find might find almost unbearable, unthinkable, impossible. God told him to go find his adulterous, 
fornicative prostitute of a wife and buy her back and bring her home. Because he'd made a promise, the obedience was not difficult for him. He knew what he had to do. An author named Thornton Wilder wrote this about a promise. He said to his wife, he said, I married you because you gave me a promise. That promise made up for your faults and the promise I gave you made up for my faults. Two, imperfect people we are who got married and it was the promise that made the marriage and when our children were growing up it wasn't a house that protected them and it wasn't our love even that protected them it was that promise Wilder the author and Hosea understood something I want us to understand in the few moments that I have watching the clock very closely Relationships are built on promise, not on passion. How many of you know the passion will fade? The passion usually fades with thinning hair, enlarging guts, blonde or brunette hair that turned white. The fact that that person you fell in love with at 18 or 25 It's not the same person you're looking at this morning. But a promise, a promise doesn't see how they look. A promise doesn't see or doesn't go by how they feel. A promise goes beyond emotions into what we know is an assurance with an expectation. An expectation that says everything's going to be all right. As I mentioned last Sunday, I love it. There's nothing I love more than to see two older folks who've been maybe married 60, 70 years grabbing hands on their way out the door. Ain't nothing more beautiful than that. Or I've seen situations where I was at a wedding not too long ago. I think it was yours. Where there were some folks in the middle of the dance floor. And they were doing this thing where all the Married couples were dancing and they kept like, if you've been married 25 years, sit down. If you've been married 50 years, sit down. 60 years, sit down. 70 years. And there's this one couple and they both cut walkers. And they're walking around in a big old circle. (laughs) And the whole place is cheering and screaming and clapping. And they're just like, and he's like, woo woo, (laughs) Zot. The power of love. No, not so much as the power of the promise of love. The promise. That's real love. Promises, covenants, God's word. These are, these are the things that we build our relationships on. I can trust God's word. He said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away. His word, a staple, a foundation to build on. You can build your marriage on it. You can build your relationship with God on it. You can literally trust this with your life. You can trust the word of God that it'll lead you. It says it's a light into my path and a lamp into my feet. It'll take you where you need to go. It'll help you in every situation. There's an answer in here for everything. 
even troubled marriages. Even when it looks like the love is fainting. It's not your love that will sustain your commitment. It's your commitment that will sustain your love. That's so good. Somebody ought to tweet it. Let me read that again. It's not your love that sustains your commitment. It's your commitment that sustains your love. Hosea understood this truth. And it's a spiritual valentine to everybody. I get to give you a valentine today. It's God's word in Hosea. It's about Hosea who goes back and buys his prostitute, adulterous wife. You say, that don't sound very romantic to me, Pastor. The commitment behind it will see you all the way through to your 80s and your 90s and your 100s. It'll see you through happy. It'll see you without having to hire a lawyer and custody battles and fights and calling the police every time you turn around because you just got to drop a, a child off. It'll keep you from the troubles I've seen and the things that I've endured as I've watched other couples who have hurt through the years telling you it's no fun out there and there's no way that any of that is what anyone desires on that day they say, till death do us part. I do. I do. Preacher, I do. God means for you and I to have life and life more abundant. He means for us to have the experience of complete victory in our lives. Gomer had hit bottom. Chapter 1, chapter 2, she was at the bottom of the rocks. Everything had gone crazy for her. She had big problems, bigger than her goofy name. Do you ever read that, Gomer, and go, golly. I do, obviously. And now you will from now on. <laughs> She'd been transported from the world of adultery into the world of prostitution. She'd been swapped out on the open market and now traded. And she was bought left and right by slave traders and owners. And she was, as we would know today, on sex trafficking. She was literally, she had nothing left. There was nothing left of her life. She was a complete slave owned by anybody by the highest bidder in her life she was waiting it, it had come down to she had left home i mean I, hosea in chapters one and two had given her the ultimatums he said you got to stop this life you got to turn things around I, I don't want you to go i don't want you to leave but if you're going to continue this life you, then we're done and he sent her on her way, and she left because she didn't want to stay with him. He had gotten old, and he had gotten, he, he didn't give her the palace she wanted, and he didn't give her all the things she, she desired, and he wasn't satisfying and fulfilling her life anymore. So she went looking for it, and now all the wrong places. So she was happy. Uh-uh, I ain't, I ain't going to live with this life anymore. I'm done with this. I'm going to go out there. She's like the prodigal. She's like, I'm going to go out there and get mine. I'm going to go out there and have a party. I'm going to go out there and enjoy my life. And boy, have I not heard that. How many times? I'm just not in love anymore. You know, it's old. We, we fell out of love. And, man, it's just, it's over. I, I got a life out here. I mean, aren't I supposed to be happy? I've heard these things. And I'm always grieved in my heart. So I'm like, yeah, God wants you happy. But happiness is not found in that trail you're headed on. It's not found on that road. Happiness comes back to promises. 
Happiness comes back to covenants. Happiness comes back to security, knowing who you are and knowing who they are. I love what I heard the other day. Somebody was talking about their marriage. I won't embarrass them. They're here today. I was talking to them about marriage, and they were talking about theirs. And I was like, well, I mean, do you ever get, like, insecure? And, you know, no. You never do? No, no. Are you kidding? No. We're going to be together till we're 100. And they're both looking at each other, and they're like, we're going to be together till we're 100 because we've made a decision that we're going to be together till we're 100. And the security was great. The confidence is great. The peace and the fun. As a matter of fact, I heard through the grapevine that they went out on a date last night. Love's promise. Love's promise. Gomer had forgotten all about that, but Hosea had not. See, for Hosea, he had every right in the world to divorce her. He had every right in the world to walk away from her. I mean, he, he had biblical reasons to step away from her and to be honored and respected in the community and just put her away. I mean, she was the, the shame of the community. She was the disgrace to his family. She had done everything she could to just rip their name apart all over town. Everyone's talking about her. Surely, Hosea had the right to divorce her. That is the law, after all. But Hosea wasn't about the law. He was about love. And he was about a promise. A promise he made to a little girl a long time ago. So... He prayed and he sought God and he, he obviously was distraught. She's gone. She's out there in the world living her life, doing her own thing. And God speaks to him in chapter 3. And here's the instructions that he gives. Love her yet. Yet an adulteress. Love her. And, and Jose, I know that you're frustrated. I know you're upset. I know you're a man and... And man, she's shamed you, disgraced you. Love her with my love. Love her with the love I love the children of Israel with. Love her like that. He said, because I have seen it too. Hosea, you're not alone. Because my people have committed adulteries on me. My people have committed to me, made vows and promises to me. And then they've turned and they've walked away. Over and over and over again, how many times did the children of Israel have to, have to come back and on their faces fall before God in repentance? How many times? Let's bring it modern day. How many times have you and me failed and faltered in our journey along life's way as we've made commitments and promises? Have any of you ever made a promise to God way back in the day that you'd never kept? Have any of you ever failed God in your commitment to Him? I have. I'll never forget one prayer as a young man. I was praying and I was down in my room and I'd opened up the curtain and I was looking outside and I was a teenager. I was like 19 years old and, and I'm looking up out of the sky and I'm checking out the stars and all that and I'm like, God, here I am again. And I remember the number I used. I said, Lord, I have failed you 1,865 times. 
I said, how can you take me back? How do I have even a right? I don't have any right to come and stand here and ask for your forgiveness in this house. I'm like looking up and all of a sudden I felt the power and the love of God as he came rolling into my bedroom. And he said, why do you see me like you do? He said, you see me as some big, huge, mean ogre standing over top of you like a teacher with a, a ruler. Smack you on the head every time you do something wrong. Was that a bad thought? Is that a bad word? Is that a bad attitude you got? He said, you're just waiting for me to cut you out. You think I'm going to cut you down, cut you out. Every time you turn around, he said, you don't know me very well, boy. He said, if you could just see me the way I am. This was the picture God gave me, Brother Orville. He said, if you could just see me. He said, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. And I'm looking down, I'm like, bad attitude, wrong choices. It's sin. Come on, son. Get up. Get up. Ask me. Ask me to forgive you. He said, that, that ruler you see in my hand, ready to smack you on the head, see it as a pen filled with the blood of my son. And I'm waiting to cleanse you and to wash you and forgive you. He said, I'm merciful. I'm a lot more merciful than you are towards yourself. He said, ask me. Watch how how fast I forgive you. Ask me and watch how I love you. And in that moment, it changed my whole picture about the Lord. God's not some mean, horrible judge over top of us. He loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever will believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the God who loves us. The God who creates the beautiful canvas out there this morning for you and I to look at as the morning sun rises and the clouds take on a brand new formation. You know, you've never seen the same painting twice. Beautiful the way he loves us. Beautiful the way he puts it all together. He says, you don't know me. I'm full of love and mercy and grace. And yes, I'm hard on sin. The wages of sin is death. But my gift is life. He wants to bring redemption. He wants to bring freedom. He wants to bring deliverance. He desires to pull you out of the mud and out of the clay of this world. David cried out, Lord, I cried in the middle of my mess and you heard me and you delivered me. That's David's cry. That's my cry. Because when he reached down his hand, he reached way down for me and he pulled me up. I'm forever grateful. I'm forever going to praise him and honor his name. Will I be perfect? No. But I promise you, I know enough at this age of the game. I know what to do. I'm going to get on my face, and I'm going to cry out and ask for forgiveness. And I know he is faithful and just to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. He's a God of love and mercy and grace. I love what Audrey used to say all the time. He is for you. God is for you. He's not against you. He's in your corner. He's fighting for you. Can you see the picture? I'm going to close with this. Can you see the picture? Hosea scrounging all over the house. Here's ten shekels. Uh, Here's two more. Oh, here's two. I got two more here. I'm going to go check the car. Check the cushions in the car, in the couch. He's looking, he finally, he gets 15 shekels. He knows the price of slavery. 
The price to buy a slave is 30 shekels. He's got 15. He scrounged all over the place. He didn't know where else to look. This is the only thing I got left is the food pantry. The only thing I got left is what we're going to eat. I'll take the barley, a homer of barley, which was the equal value of 10 shekels and a half, which would be five more. That'll be 30 shekels because all I got is a half left, so I'm going to give everything. And I'm going to go get her. I'm going to buy her. I'm going to buy her back. And he wandered into the crowd, and as there she stood. There she stood. Gomer's sitting on the slave trading block. She's wrapped up in her chains, and she, her head is down. She's people throwing stuff at her. She's taking it left and right. They're cackling, and they're making all kinds of crude remarks in the crowd. And all the men of town, the drunks and all the people, the gamblers, they're all there wanting, wanting to buy her. Hey, she's all right. Let's get her. Let's get her. All I've got is 20 shekels, man. How much you got? I'll take her for two shekels. She's standing there. When all of a sudden, the back of the crowd, she hears something. She hears a voice. She's like, no. I'll buy her. I'll take her. I've got 30 shekels. I got 15 shekels and I got, bar, and I got bar, a homer of barley and a half. That's 30. I'll take her. Gomer's standing there. That's Hosea. What's he doing here? What am I going to do? I, I can't go with him. I can't go back home, no. Not after all I've done. I've, I've destroyed our family name. I've failed miserably. I'm a slave. I'm a prostitute. That can't be Hosea. Tell me that's not Hosea. What's your name, sir? Hosea. I got 30. I'll take her. Sold. Come get your prize. In chains. She goes back to the house. He cuts those chains off of her and he says, Welcome home, baby. Now here's the rules. Ain't gonna be no more of that prostitution. Ain't gonna be no more adultery. Now I bought you. You I own you now. Now we're gonna get you, your addiction's gonna get clear and cleaned up. I'm gonna put you through my own celebrate recovery program. There'll be no more prostitution. There'll be no adultery. You ain't going to be searching for stuff outside this house no more. I'm I'm the boss. You're my slave. I bought you. So I want you to just be in this house now. I want you to decorate it. I want you to cook barley when I can afford to buy more. I want you to to make it pretty. Fix up that corner you always wanted to do. Do that. And I want you to be for me. When I come home, I, I want you here. I want to see you when I come in the door. And I'll be for you. What? And Gomer, I'll be for you. The same thing. 
I give myself back to you. Wow. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? But listen to me, and as I close, I want you to stand. Can you not see it? Can you not see on the slave box? This? Can you not see it? Josh, do you see it? Jesus, you're on the box. I'm on the box. I've ruined it. I'm laughing at you and with you. You've gambled it away. You've lost it away. You've stole it away. You've cheated it away. And there you stand when all of a sudden a voice comes billowing out through, through the hillside from Calvary's cross. The bread of life and the cost of 30 pieces of silver. Hear me this morning. Jesus paid the price for the slavery. Exodus chapter 22, I believe. Exodus 22 talks about the price of slave of a slave in the Old Testament was 30 shekels of silver. Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. The price of a slave. The price for my slavery and yours. He paid the price so that you and I could come home. So that you and I could come back to a relationship with him that we have ruined, that we have disgraced. Folks, we ought to be thankful this morning, not only for the marriage that you have, because I'm telling you, this is the kind of promise, this is the kind of example that will cause you to be married all of your life. This will help you when your marriage is on the rocks, when you don't know whether you're coming or going, or it's fun or not fun, it's good or bad. The promise, Hosea made a promise, he stuck to it. God said in verses 4 and 5 of our text, did you notice he made the parallel, the parallel with Israel? He said, as God has loved Israel, because Israel went their own way, Israel perverted their own path, they turned away from God, they didn't want to live right. But he said, Hosea, love Gomer, go buy her back as an example of what I'm going to do for my children. And then the end. What happened? You say, well, it doesn't really tell us what happened. Oh, yeah, it does. No, no, there's no end to the story. Pastor, it doesn't tell us that they lived happily ever after. You know, it wasn't like Cinderella or anything. It it isn't there. Yeah, it is. Verse 4, For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, without an image, without an ephod, and without a teraphim. They have nothing. They've ruined it all. But afterward, afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. So God is saying to us, that story 
has a good ending. And so does this one. So does this one. He paid the price. He bought us, took us off the slave trade, and gave us hope, and gave us life, and gave us back a home, back a relationship with God. We can be restored to God, and you can be restored. It's all based on a promise. Oh, y'all don't get it like I am. It's all based on a promise. Just a promise. And you and I have that promise this morning. We have that confidence. You can get through anything. You can trudge through any circumstance, no matter what it is, because you've got the promise. You've got a promise of God that he'll be there, that he'll never leave you. He's always going to go with you all the way to the end. You've got a promise that God's word is always going to be there for your deliverance, always going to be there for your provision. You've got a promise in God's holy word. Let me tell you something. I know this parallels and I've talked about the parallel of our life with God and our relationship with God but let me tell you it absolutely absolutely parallels your relationship with your spouse I want you to look them square in the eye right now and tell them I'm going to love you forever I'm going to love you forever I'm not going to leave you because I made a promise I made a promise Stick to the promise. Don't let anything tear you away from the promise. Don't let, I mean, I said it last week and I'll say it again. Don't let that cute little thing or that one that's talking at the cooler, don't let that one that's sending you a cute little email and a picture of a bunny. Don't do, don't follow that junk. Don't let them talk to you. Don't let them flirt with you. Don't let them be cute with you. You made a promise. You stick to your promise. You stick to that promise, and at the end of the day, honey, you're going to be happy. What is it Marty always says? Marty always says, happy wife, happy life. You made a promise. Stick to your promise. God is giving you his example. Every time you fail him, whenever you turn back to him, has he not always been there for you? Even when you're standing on the slave trading box, there, he buys you back. Father, we come to you this morning. The altars are open today. If you need special prayer, would you take a few moments now? And our pastors are in the altar. Would you, would you come? And if you'd like to have special prayer, they're here to pray with you right now. But Father, we come to you this morning. We honor you and we bless your name. We praise you for the promises you've made to us the way that you've given us life and life abundant, the way that you've given us deliverance. Lord, your word is filled with every answer we'll ever need. And Lord, I thank you for families. That wasn't originated in the heart and mind of man. It was originated in your heart. You put the first family together, and you're going to carry the last family across the finish line. For those who will trust in you, lean hard on you, God, they are going to see the fruit of their commitment. I thank you for that today. We make our promises afresh and brand new. We renew our commitments to one another. We ask you, Lord, to lead us as our example lead us. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone together said, amen. Amen. The altars are open.
Again, if you'd like special prayer, please. If you'd like to spend time in the altar, you're certainly welcome to do that today. God bless you. Church of God. On behalf of Pastor Ray, we thank you for spending your time with us. Stratford Heights is always available to hear from you. For more information, visit us online at shcog.com. If you would like to pay your tithes or gifts, you can also do that online as well at shcog.com. This broadcast is made possible from people just like you who come together to worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Whenever you're in the southwestern Ohio area, we would love to have you join us for service. Our Sunday service schedule is at 8.30 and 10.40 a.m. and at 6 p.m. Sunday evenings. On Monday, it's Celebrate Recovery. Tuesday, the Oasis Youth Group. Wednesday night, it's the Family Life Night. And Thursday, the Esperanza Hispanic Worship Service. Please join us at the Stratford Heights Church of God in Middletown, Ohio.